check. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Times won't be bit. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. We tuning it to the thriller. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic. Even the rambling. We can a I hope that you're ready. We enter in the zone soon. We gonna grow shit. Welcome to the rap room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it wide. 100. Oh, wait, I messed up. Wait, we're doing it. I thought we did 5,000 last time. I think we changed it. Okay. Okay, after 1,000 and 2. Okay. Rewind. On the screen, on the Rant Room, we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it wide. 1,002. Because two's a nice round number. (laughs) (laughs) See, all of our listeners know exactly what we're talking about. But, and you probably have heard it before. You hang hang around a bunch of college students, right? So people always say, we keep it 100, meaning we keep it real, right? right? So that's our little tag, you know, we always keep it 100. And then uh, Bill Todd was on, and Bill's like, you guys got to go up higher than that. You guys are way better than that. (laughs) We need to go up our game. We went up to, like... A hundred and two at one point, and then we did a thousand and two. Then last week, we it's like, like five thousand. <laughs> so, I you know, okay, we'll use that one because <laughs> some people on like, the east coast, a lot of people say keep it a thousand. Yeah, so, so are you going to keep going up? Or, I don't know, you might as well. We might say <laughs> keep it at infinity. I don't know, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so y'all hear us on the red room, you know how we do. But on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, the craft, stories, shit like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can curse on this show. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I heard you guys. <laughs> I saw you get upset the other we, day. We grow. we grow. We grow. We <laughs> grow. Anyway, so y'all hear her voice. That's my girl. That's Lisa Bolton. Hey, hey I want to I wanna, I wanna give this shout out to Jasmine. Why? Because um, I was... Talking on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, people, I know, I know. Last time, I I think I might have mentioned that you know when I saw Gone Girl, I thought you know what, you know, he's gonna get nominated for an Oscar. He ain't gonna win. I'm talking about Ben Affleck. But I just saw Nightcrawler, Mm -hmm. baby. Jake Gyllenhaal, he got it. This makes up for Prince of Persia (laughs) on so many levels. This, I mean, the writing, the acting, this is like one of the best dramas I've seen in a long, long time. I, this, he, he is going to get nominated from Oscar uh, right now. So Jasmine, because Jasmine was like, say, how much you willing to bet? So Jasmine, I told you on Facebook, $5 and a bag of Doritos. But, uh, so Jazz, this one's for you. I'm, I'm going to up it a little bit. Let's say $20. Big money. In fact, I'm going to say, you know what? Jake Gyllenhaal is the one to beat in terms of Oscar. I still got a couple more movies I got to check out, mm-hmm. but in terms of just the nuanced performance, this is the first time I've seen a character that's like on the spectrum. And when I say on the spectrum, his character is kind of like someone who could be autistic, could have Asperger's. It's like one of the most, I, you know, I would love to sit down and say, how did you craft this? Was this, how did you create this character? Because mm-hmm. the moment he was on screen, from there was never a dull moment. The whole time as a writer, as a screenwriter watching it, I was mm-hmm. like, well, shit, what would I do? How would mm-hmm. I write this? And it, it says so much stuff. It's such a, 
I was so impressed. Is this part of your clapback? You, you know what? I know it's not my clapback, but I just felt like I got to put that money down early on. So Jasmine, $20 and not a bag of Doritos. We're going to make it like a bag of like really fancy Trader Joe's, like <laughs> sea salt and olive oil potato chips or something like that. You know, so. I'll tell you who else to put money on. Yeah, oh, I saw course. the other night is Steve Carell in oh. Foxcatcher. Really? Yeah, he, he's amazing. He transforms himself into this really twisted, sick, mm-hmm. demonic character of John DuPont. Little Steve Carell? Steve Carell. You, you, you don't even see Steve Carell in it. He's, he's got uh, this incredible makeup job. I mean, he's Okay, just, note to it, self. Let me go see that, too. pretty extraordinary performance. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he keeps you on edge. You don't know which way he's going to go, right. what he's going to say. It's, uh, it's pretty out there. Man. Yeah. Man. So, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. You haven't okay. seen Nightcrawler. Go see it. Okay. And um, put your money down. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to have our Oscar pool. But right now, I'm just saying it for the record. Mm-hmm. Because y'all know I'm pretty good at this Oscar picking thing. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal right now is the one to beat. I'm going to go check out Steve Carell. All but right, right now, uh, JG, baby. <laughs> that was up. <laughs> you see how we do it on the Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why we call it the rant room. Sometimes we go sideways, motherfucker. We go sideways. So, look. Y'all hear her? That's Lisa Bolakaja. We mm. call her Barry. We call her the street. That's the street nerdist. nerdist. Okay. Why we call you that? Right. Because I can give it to you for real, for real. And why? And then why I can else? give it to you for extra real with some <laughs> some notations to, to back me up. Dot dot period. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> some annotations for you. Uh-huh. That's what's up. So <laughs> <laughs> I told you we crazy out here. <laughs> so hey. Yes. If you're grown, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and Here we go. In. Here we go. So, <clears throat> we got my man on the show. Everybody, y'all motherfuckers, we got a veteran on the show who's been around for a long time. Knows the game. My man, Barry Sandler, writer, mm-hmm. producer, mm-hmm. instructor. Do you ever direct? Never directed. No. Never, you ever directed? Never ever wanted to direct. Really? Just wanted to write. Yes. Just wanted to write. Right. Huh? Yep. He is pure. <laughs> so, he the man sitting next to the He's man. He's the right? writer. Wanted to, work, wanted to work with great directors in hand. Definitely. Um, so we got my man Barry Sandler on here, you guys. I'm talking veteran from way back. He's done some pretty important movies, let's say that. Um, but what I want to talk about now, because we're going to get into all those. Okay. But everybody, I'm telling you guys right now, because we're going to drop this early. Um, usually we put one out every week. Today, this is going to be like a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because Barry Sandler has a new movie called Knock em Dead. Um, let's give let's give everybody just a little gist of what is a little premise about what the show what the movie is. But let me just give you a quick little thing, guys. It stars Ray Don Chong, Deborah Wilson, Anne Marie Johnson, Jack A, Phil Morris. I mean, some big heavies. Mm-hmm. Amorosa. Oh, and Amorosa for guys, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. in her film debut. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's very funny. She's mm-hmm. terrific. And yeah. and for the record, she really is nice. It's some bullshit. Oh yeah, she's let great. Me tell you. She's Go terrific. Ahead. She really is terrific. Yeah. Just one of Pam's girl. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, it's a um, it's a comedy mystery uh, with some horror elements, but it's uh, it's people kind of people do die, right? Yeah, <laughs> people do die in very uh, strange ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a kind of a, a poking fun at Hollywood and the fame game mm-hmm. and and uh, people who uh, want to be famous at at, uh, at any cost. And uh, it's basically the premise is a um, there was a horror film ten years ago in the kind of a scream film, mm-hmm. in which the cast and crew uh, was a big hit, but everybody hated each other's guts and they just <laughs> didn't want to work together again. But in the ten years, they've all become desperate and destitute and out of work and really needing work. 
And the producer decides to try to get a sequel off the ground, but in order to do so, he's got to bring them all together again to work together. Mm, okay. So uh, he arranges for this uh, secluded island mansion for them all to get together, which was the scene of the original film, and try to see if they can all uh, uh, become friendly and be able to work. And right away, they just hate each other's guts yeah. all over again. They start bitching and... and they go back to where they were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just you know, cutting each other apart. Mm-hmm. And suddenly a murder happens and then another murder and they're trapped on the island they can't get off and the murders happen in the same way that they happened in the actual movie so it becomes like a whodunit huh? yeah mm-hmm. so our three leading ladies who are, are Ray Dawn and Deborah Wilson and, and Anne-Marie Johnson uh, have to band together and put aside all their old grievances and try to uh, oh, okay, find cool. a killer and uh, save their own lives mm-hmm. and, and what's, what's funny about that is like if the killer is killing him in the same order as the original movie, the person who survived at the end is probably feeling oh, quite comfortable. Like, I got some time, so <laughs> that would make me suspicious. Like, well, there's a few right. surprises and twists and turns. Yeah, through all you the gotta have your little red hair. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, through all the bitchy lines and, and, and the dialogue and the camping and the <laughs> fun. Um, yeah, there's a real there's a mystery going on, mm. but. Uh, but uh, it's it uh, goes on uh, video on demand uh, starting November seventh. Okay. Um, it's Comcast and iTunes and Amazon and Verizon and and Dish and all mm-hmm. the you know all the uh, VODs. Wow. It's a lot. A, yeah, it's going well. It's in a couple of theaters in in uh, some cities, but uh, primarily video on demand, and right. then it'll be on DVD in February. Okay. Um, because uh, I do want to talk to you later once we get to the. I want to talk about your career and okay. how you got into the game and all right. that stuff like that. But when we get back to Knock 'em Dead, I do want to talk about um, how you how you made the film because I believe you originally wrote it just as a normal ca- white cast. Oh, absolutely, yes. It. So I want to talk about that. Yes, that's very yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. want to talk um, about it, sure. Especially with my girl in here. Yes. she's like Miss Cora Buff. Right. So, well, let me just say that the film was directed by David Dakota, who's mm-hmm. a known uh, and uh, uh, cult horror director. He's done mm-hmm. a lot of terrific, like, uh, what is he horror, the Brotherhood, mm-hmm. and um, he's uh, all the Brotherhood sequels. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he started. He's been working for years. And mm-hmm. in fact, I met him on the set of one of my. F- mm-hmm. on, he was uh, working on the set of one of my films mm-hmm. uh, early on in the '80s, and we've maintained a friendship. All Wait, the was the Brotherhood? Is, is that the one that was like with the the werewolves? Yes. Thinking of that, yeah. and it was yeah. like over. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. And all the sequels. Yes. Yeah. He's done about 50, 60 films. You know. Wow. The horror, okay. In the horror genre. I remember genre. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I I got to meet him when he was a little annoyed the other day. <laughs> Long story short, we won't go deep. He's into generally it, a very we, calm, we a, easygoing guy. But uh, yeah, I'm on the committee, um, uh, the gay and lesbian being committee, actually with Barry, um, at the Writers Guild, <laughs> and um, we were going to screen his film on Monday. And there was an issue with the sound. So we had all these people coming, all the stars of the film coming, and we couldn't show the film. So we mm. had to cancel it and move it to Thursday night, which will be tonight when this drops. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> they put in a new sound system for tonight. So They damn well should. Oh. So, yeah. They needed to. So, yeah. Unfortunately, you had to be the brunt of it. Well, <laughs> okay, what can you do? Like, don't they check do? that stuff before they get started? Or did just it just happen right in the middle of it? Just I blew think, out? I think it's been on its... Downside, even though it's yeah. new, it's it happened. New. It happened while, when they were trying out the Blu-ray. Oh, uh, okay. So fortunately, it didn't happen during the movie when okay. they were showing yeah, it. Yeah. So it was, you know, we got wow. in time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to get that one out the way so everybody yeah. could start. All you listeners, go online right now. Check out the trailer to Knock 'Em Dead. Um, it's it's a trip. <laughs> good, good. It's a trip. Okay. Um, so let's go back into you a little bit. 
where you're from, how you got into the writing game. Okay. You know, how it all happened for you. Well, I'm one of these, you know, people that started writing when I was uh, seven years old. I would start writing Yay. short stories. And, yes, and all that was my when one single. Oh God, yeah. yes. <laughs> you was, could tell writers when they're young. They, yeah. it, it shows when yeah. they're little already. Like you could yeah. tell. Well, you know, when everybody else was, uh, you know, out in the street playing, you know, football or baseball, I was home writing stories. Aww. You know, <laughs> so. I love that. And uh, so you were nerd then. Yeah, you was. Cool, cool yeah nerd, I would say I would say cool nerd. Okay, all right. <laughs> got, that, got that Florida tan. Okay. Right. <laughs> anyway, so I was always d- driven to. You know, I mean, that was my single. You know, goal mm-hmm. was to to, and I love movies, so I wanted okay. to merge. You know, my writing with film and, mm-hmm. and write movies. So that was my determination to uh, you know to come out to Hollywood and and be a screenwriter. So I um, uh, went to UCLA Film School, applied to UCLA and SC, and and. Uh, Went to UCLA uh, as an undergrad and a grad, and uh, got a BA in screenwriting and an MFA in screenwriting, mm-hmm. and uh, actually started writing professionally while I was still in college. Uh, had an interesting experience happening where I, it was in the early seventies, and um, I had written a script about the roller derby. Oh, God, yes. those roller derby. Remember the Skinny roller derby? Mini Miller yeah. and all those. Yeah. Oh, God. Remember the roller derby? Yes. God, yes. Yeah. It's like wrestling and roller derbies. That was like they went hand in yeah. hand. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was fascinated by you know coming. From, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, so I was coming you know from the east out to California. So I really wasn't that familiar with roller derby, and I got out here and uh, and just you know went to one of these and just was fascinated by it and thought just the you know the crowd and the reaction and you know and I knew it was all phony and bullshit. But, uh, <gasps> yeah. How dare you, Barry? But that is cro- real. But what was fascinating was the, yeah. Well, <laughs> The crowd believed it. The crowd bought into it, and they really, you know, because you would see blood. Yeah, so you would think it was real. Yeah. Well, you know, here's what it was. It 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 crossed the line many times because the fighters, you know, the roller, the skaters, mm-hmm. you know, there were all these grievances that they had off cam, oh. off the rink mm-hmm. and off these uh, skating, and uh, they would um, carry on that onto the rink. So you okay. know, they would take out their hostilities on mm-hmm. each other. So it sometimes escalated into something much more. You know, than than phony. I mean, mm-hmm. It did get real at, mm-hmm. at times, and the crowd really, uh, you know, cried out for blood. I mean, it was one of these. Yeah. It was like a blood sport thing. Child, I spit the roller <laughs> rink. And it was just this great subculture. Yes, this great subculture. It's colorful. It was down at the Olympic Auditorium. Remember mm-hmm. the Olympic Auditorium downtown? This kind of seedy, you know, decrepit old oh, crumbling. Awesome. Bro- and I thought, what a great uh, uh, backdrop for a movie. And mm-hmm. and what a, what. A, what a great character one of these women roller derby skaters would be. And at the time, uh, Raquel Welch was the, you know, pop culture yes. diva. I mean, it was the early oh 70s. God. and 10,000 BC or, yeah, oh, God. Yeah. And, and I thought just to merge that concept of the pop culture diva into the role of a roller derby queen mm-hmm. just would be uh, something pretty uh, amazing. So I wrote the script with her in mind, and, and um, this was kind of a little bit... Um, uh, a little ballsy on my part. Mm. I found out uh, where she lived. No. It, yeah, and I <laughs> so actually got one. That's of a hustler right there. Yeah. Well, remember they 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 have these usually have these maps to the movie stars' homes that mm-hmm. they would pedal off on Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So I got one of these. Found out where she lived, and drove up to her house. Pulled up to the front of the house, <laughs> and it's this big. See, y'all you know, can do that in the seventies. Nowadays, you do that. They'd be like, "You going to jail, oh, yeah, Barry?" I tell, yeah, I tell my own students, "Don't ever do this now. You can't do it now. You get shot." Okay. So. Um, I found the house. It was up in Bennett Canyon, mm-hmm. um, and I parked the car and took my script and went up to the front door and rang the doorbell, 
And her assistant answered the door. And I said, I, I was at UCLA Film School at the time. And I told her, I said, I, I have the script that I wrote for Raquel. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and I think she's going to love it. And, and you know, the assistant was quite taken aback by it. I said, well, it's highly unusual. You know, I said, look, just will you read it? And, uh, and if you like it, give it to her. And um, What a smart move, yeah. Barry. It's like, and look, you look at it, and, that's, and then you let me know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And that's what happened. She read it and, and, and liked it and yeah. gave it to Raquel. And Raquel read it, liked it, and and the next thing we were in business. How long? How long did it take from from the time you dropped it off to the time you heard from them? Well, there was all, all, other things that were going on because I um, uh, it took a long time because she was uh, she was in Europe at the time oh. and doing another movie, mm-hmm. and by the time she got back and got to read it, it was a many many weeks I would say. Mm-hmm. And and at one point I wrote her a letter. Uh, she, she was a, a little bit uh, concerned about the invasion of privacy, understandably. Uh, and her assistant uh, called me and said, you know, she's a little bit unnerved by that. So I wrote her a letter and saying I didn't mean anything by it. I really, you know, really just stating that I was doing this with the best of intentions. And uh, that letter got her to read the script. And when she read the script, she said, yeah, I want to do this movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say maybe, you know, six or eight weeks uh, from the time I dropped this. Yeah. And Especially in seventies time, with no yeah, email yeah, and yeah, none of that yeah, stuff, yeah. just the next thing we were making uh, making a deal, wow. and uh, the film got made, and that was, and it was the it was the last. Remember, Life magazine uh, when they went out of business in around seventy two. Yeah. This is the last movie cover. It was Raquel on the cover, Man. and yeah, and the film ended up being a big hit. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was released, released in the summer of seventy two. Tell the audience the name of that movie. Yeah, yeah. The new m- movie is the Kansas City Bomber, and uh, that was the movie. That's the movie that uh, got me in trouble at Palisades Roller Rink there because we we were skating. I was little, <laughs> and we were skating, and I was trying to do some of the. Raquel moves yeah. with the stuff. And my mother was like, will you stop that? I'm like, and you see how movies influence young people. But it was just, a, it was such a big mm-hmm. thing. One thing to see, you know, roller derby stuff on TV, sure. but didn't see a movie about it. And and we love Raquel. And they re, they made you feel like you were really Oh, God, yeah. So, like, me and my friends, we'd be out there in little skates, trying to, well, we had the old school skates. Y'all remember the skates? Okay, I'm really dating myself. We had the skates where you can, like, inch him out as your feet grew with the little key thing Uh and we'd be out there trying to be like that stuff so uh, yeah uh, I thank you Barry for uh, getting me in trouble young Jodie Foster happy to do it oh yes and Jodie Foster played her daughter in the movie yes and you know I'm a huge Jodie Foster fan so I was in heaven yes Kansas City so what was next so what happened after that well um, then I uh, finished school Uh, I I used actually I used the script uh, as my master's thesis at UCLA Yeah. I was going to ask you, did everybody hate you at school? Like, oh, he. Well, they he, they love the story. I would think of anything, it'd be like, whoa, yeah. this guy. They use the story to promote the film school because uh, you know you see a film student gets movie made. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So and that funny that story has haunted me all these years. People yeah. still you know come to me and say, oh, you're that guy who uh, dropped that script off to Raquel yeah, Welch. Like, you know, yeah. I think I've heard this story. Yeah. <laughs> well, her husband at the time was a PR guy, Pat mm-hmm. Curtis. And he played that up because he thought it would be great promotion for the film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it sort of stuck in the culture at the time right. and has carried over and followed me through. Wow. But um, so once I was out of school, uh, um, I started writing, you know, professionally and mm-hmm. continued to do so. And um, so did agents and everybody hit you after that? Well, I had an agent at the time. Oh, you did? Yes. Uh, in fact, it was uh, ICM. Uh, and uh, they... 
I knew that uh, they were they wanted to get the script to Raquel, but I knew it was going to end up on a pile with thirty five other scripts. Mm -hmm. So that's when I took it upon myself to take gotcha. action, no. okay. which that I would sense. encourage any writing anybody who wants to write uh, today to not to follow a star and stalk a star, but to take action on their own. You Absolutely. know, no, let me that, ask you a question. Yeah, I don't mean to take you a step back. However, um, I think it's really important. Um, even though I know the times were different and probably how the rules worked with agents and stuff might have been a little bit different there. How did you get your agent then? Because kids need to hear, you know, the stories and how well, they landed. It's a good question how I landed an agent then. Well, um, at the t and it's not that much different today. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Writers Guild publishes a list of all the agents. Sure. Uh, and anybody can get it. You don't have to yeah, anybody can get it. You can, now you can get it online. Then you know mm -hmm. you just went to the guild and they would get a copy. But um, uh, you used to start making calls or or emailing or mm -hmm. you know finding out who will read material from new writers. Sure. And I started making calls and and um, I had a script uh, that uh, an original script that I had written and uh, used that as a as a sample script. Mm -hmm. Started calling agents and. Um, uh, there was a young agent uh, who was just starting out at, at ICM. At that time, it was um, called CMA. It hadn't merged with IFA to form ICM at the, okay. at the time. But uh, he said, uh, I'd be interested in reading your script, and which is unusual because uh, now it's a little tougher at the bigger agencies too. Yeah, right. But at that time, um, you know, it was just at the advent of the explosion of the film school uh, writer and director. And you there didn't was have a hundred thousand writers trying to get exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't. Yeah. So um, uh, he was willing to read it, and uh, it was Jeff Berg at uh, at CMA okay. at the time, and uh, he very much liked it. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a call and said, "Come on in, let's talk about it." And um, and mm -hmm. he, uh, he signed me, you know, pretty uh, much okay. right there on the spot. All right. And at, you know, once I had an agent, it was uh, you know a lot easier. But because now, now once you did, I was thinking once you did the Raquel Welch thing, that gave him ammunition. Exactly. To get other yes. Things. Exactly. Because so. the film turned out to be you know. A now success. the letter that you wrote to to Raquel right. apologizing. Did you? Get smart and just have your ICM have the envelope on there. Like, well, no, hey, I'm not I, no, just some. I, I didn't. You just I, wrote it yeah, again for I yourself. Just, yeah, because okay. at that part, at, at that time, I was operating outside the bounds of ICM. Gotcha. My agent wasn't aware that I was going through okay. it, that I did all this. Okay. Once he, you know, I didn't want because I knew he would be pissed. Mm -hmm. But once she decided she wanted to do the movie, then I told him because at that point, you know, it was a deal. <laughs> well, of movie. course, they would be like, so. "Oh, well, good for you, Barry! Yeah. Yay!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but to what? He, yeah, he would have. Um, hit the roof if he knew that I was doing this, you know, outside mm -hmm. the, the bounds of the agency. So, but, you know, sometimes you got to break the rules to to get ahead. So. Well, if you hadn't done that, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. how would things have been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so you finished college and then you started really focusing on writing. Yes, yeah. So the, the, uh, the next script uh, I wrote, uh, we sold it to Warner Brothers, um, the, which was The Duchess and the Daughter Fox, which is kind of a Western comedy. And um, it was, yeah, it was Goldie mm -hmm. Hunt, but it, it uh, went into turn on at Warner's and was picked up by 20th Century Fox. And uh, the director was uh, Mel Frank, who had just uh, had scored a hit movie with uh, Touch of Class, remember mm -hmm. Glenn uh, Jackson, Charles Siegel, yeah. and wanted to do it. And uh, we, we got it set up at Warner's, then, then at Fox. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, I did a film uh, with Sidney J. Fury. Remember Sidney Fury's a terrific director who had just done Lady Sings of the Blues with yes. Diana Ross, yes. the Billy Holiday story, uh, which is a terrific movie. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, I met Sydney, and uh, we had breakfast together. And he uh, he had read a couple of my scripts and wanted to you know get together and talk and ideas. And he had an idea about doing this love story of Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. Yeah. And um, uh, I thought it was a great story. I remember my mother was a huge fan of both of them, and mm -hmm. I you know I was a little young at the time to know who they were, but I did a lot of research and. Uh, uh, Sydney and I, you know, uh, got together, and uh, I went off and wrote the script, and we sold the script to Universal. And that's based and off a real story. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of research, and uh, it was, it's a true story of Clark Gable and, and oh. Carol Lombard and mm -hmm. uh, their love affair. And um, he was married at the time, and they had to sneak around, and uh, you know, we're dealing with the, the morals of the thirties oh, and forties. Like Spencer Tracer and, yeah. and, and Catherine Mark Hepburn, yes, and those kind yeah, of very much yes. so. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was a lot of fun to do that mm. movie. J James Brolin uh, mm. was Clark Gable and Joe Clayburgh, who was terrific. Yeah. And Brolin was terrific, too, as um, Gable. But uh, Clayburgh as Lombard is a, a, a lot of fun making that movie because mm. Universal spared no expense. And, right. um, well, let know. me ask you a question. So you're doing all these movies was, especially back in like, I'm thinking like in the 70s and 80s, we're going to move into the 80s in a minute. Right. But that was like where it really started with, no writers allowed on the set. Were you? Well, I, I was very fortunate, yes, uh, because I worked with uh, uh, directors who were not threatened by the writer on the set. I mean, okay. Sydney uh, really invited my presence on that, really wanted me there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as somebody to bounce ideas off of. So I've been fortunate in my career to be able to work with directors. Wow. Now, there are a couple of times where I had in my contract that which is rare, it's hard to get, but mm -hmm. when you have an original screenplay and they want it badly enough, you can make uh, that demand that you, as a writer they can't replace you. Now, we as, all as writers know that that's kind of the <laughs> optimum, you know, to get that. <laughs> and you'll, you'll never get it if you're a writer for hire, if you're right. doing an assignment. Right. But if you write an original screenplay, they want it, and you say, yeah, you can have it, but, you know, and I won't take that much money for it, but I want creative control. In other words, I want the fact, you know, the guarantee that no other writer will come aboard. I'll be glad to make changes and work with the director on it. Mm -hmm. So in a couple of instances, I had that clause in the contract, so I was able to maintain my um, presence right. throughout the, uh, the mm -hmm. shoot. But at the same time, I, you know, working with Ken Russell or Arthur Hiller or Sidney right. Fury mm -hmm. or David, Dakota, um, people like that who, um, who are not writers but welcome the presence of the writer. Now, you know, any writer, as we all know, uh, would love that experience of being around and being there to, you know, talk to the director about how a scene is going. And the director at the same time, you know, wants the writer there because if he's rehearsing a scene and, and a line isn't playing, mm -hmm. if the writer's there, he'll say, hey, can you change that line? Or if the actor will say, you know, I'm uncomfortable saying this line, can we rework it? Uh, I know when I worked with uh, Christopher Walken uh, on a movie, um, he, you know, there were lines that, that he had, you know, questions about, and he would come up to me and say, uh, do you mind if you know I said it this way or whatever? And and you know if I wasn't there, you know he wouldn't have that that option to you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so I've been fortunate in being able to be a presence on, on a lot of the movies. Not every movie. I mean, there's some t a couple times where I wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one time when I actually got kicked off the set <laughs> in England, us, yeah, um, I was doing. Ruckus? Were you causing a ruckus on set, Barry? <laughs> I was doing. Um, um, the Mirror Cracked with Elizabeth Taylor and Kim wow. Novak and Rock yeah. Hudson and Tony Curtis, Angela Lansbury. Rock Hudson. Yes, mm -hmm. and um, but I was a writer for hire on that. There, mm -hmm. there was an existing script um, by a British writer, and they wanted an American writer to Americanize the film. So I came in and did the rewrite, but I changed it to considerably, and and was invited over to uh, London when they were shooting to be there on the set. Mm -hmm. And um, this is interesting because. <laughs> 
uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've worked with directors who really welcome my presence, but at the same time, a writer has to know his or her bounds on a set and know when, at what point they're able to cross the line and talk to an actor. Uh, and I think you always have to work with the director to maintain that, that balance, to maintain that uh, camaraderie, really. And you don't want to cross the line and, and, and where um, you're taking advantage of the situation. So I found it's very important for writers, if they're working with directors, to be very savvy and politic about it, right. about knowing what the, the boundaries are right. and not knowing when not to cross them. So um, I, I, I did... It was an instance where I did cross the line. Where uh, I was in England, and one of the actors uh, asked me to, uh, if they could have lunch with me to discuss the script because they weren't weren't <laughs> getting the feedback they wanted from the director. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Of course, you know." And um, uh, not knowing, you know, not e even bringing it up with the director, just you know, doing it. Mm -hmm. And the director found out about it and was not happy about it, mm -hmm. thinking I went behind his back. Mm -hmm. So he. Kindly asked was it me was to, it Liz? No, no, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, no, in fact, she was great. I mean, it's like, she, darling, let's talk about the script. I have to tell you, working with Elizabeth Taylor, I get back to finish mm -hmm. the story. But working with Elizabeth Taylor, Lisa, that you brought it up, mm -hmm. um, she's probably the only actor I've ever worked with, and all the actors I've worked with, who said every line exactly is written. Yeah. Total professional. Mm -hmm. Not that the other actors weren't, mm -hmm. but um, she, you know. Um, said the lines as they were written and ate with the cast and crew and joked around and it was just a total pro mm -hmm. and none of this so not, not quite the diva no diva bullshit yeah. none at all none at all yeah. no absolutely not it was just a, a pleasure to work mm -hmm. with it was great and you know as a kid she was like you know I idolized Taylor yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. the idea of working with Elizabeth Taylor mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because she was a last minute replacement on that film for another actress that I adored uh, growing up, which who was Natalie Wood. Oh wow! And in fact, I had several meetings with Natalie Wood um, on the film before we shooting, and just w just was in love with her. I just thought she was great, mm -hmm. and she was terrific. I mean, she really respected the writer, and really, um, uh, you know, again, being a child star as was Taylor. Mm -hmm really grew up in the business, you know, um, surrounded by writers sure. and directors. So that was great. But she had a row with the director and left, walked off the movie. <laughs> the same director who threw me off the set. Mm -hmm. So um, wow. she was, in fact, the producer at one time called me and said, I have good news and bad news. He said, what's the bad news? He said, Natalie's left the movie. <laughs> and I was pretty, you know, upset about that. He, he said, don't you want to hear the good news? Said, what is it? He said, Elizabeth Taylor just signed. Suddenly, I became happy. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, after I had this experience having lunch with one of the actors, um, the director kindly asked me to, to return to Los Angeles uh, <laughs> on the next plane, which I did. However, interestingly enough, he wanted me to rewrite the next script that he was doing. Okay. So, so he still, he still, yeah, you yeah, know, respected sure. my, my ability as a writer. Maybe so. his concern yeah. was like, you know what, let's not have this happen again. Yeah, let's yeah, send yeah, you away. Yeah. Did you at least take some snacks with you from the honey wagon? When you ah, left? yes. Of like course. if I travel this sure. far, I'm taking the plate of ribs <laughs> with me. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know, in England, the way they do with the honey with the lunch wagon. Uh -huh. Um, they, um, it, it's there all day. You can just, uh, you know, go whenever you, you want. So, You're talking about the craft services? Mm -hmm. Yeah, craft services, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Just take that bag for the snack. Okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Give me three pancakes. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, goodness. goodness. Yeah. So, goodness. so what was next after? Uh, well, uh, next was Making Love. So, oh, here we go. Yeah. Do you remember that one? That, um, Man, that <sighs> changed some shit. Mm -hmm. Well, 
Yeah, thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a for pretty. Kids, we get a lot of people who are like in their twenties. Listen, let's just tell them what this movie. Now look, okay. yeah, y'all heard this me say okay. this before. Go ahead. You need to go back and study film and watch some <laughs> shit. <laughs> So when people say something that you don't know, what is that? I, you need to Google it and find it and get it on Netflix and watch these movies because you'll learn a lot from the classics. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I agree. Absolutely. I tell my students. I mean, that you know, you can learn a lot from these classics. And you can steal shit. That's from like from oh, a absolutely. long time ago. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. All right. Well, we say be inspired by. <laughs> so, but it, but it's oh, true. Monologue inspired me. I just figured I'd take it out of there and put it in my mouth. I, I learned a lot from watching old movies yes. as a kid, and I you know I tell students today to look you know. Uh, if you're writing a, a, a detective story, watch Chinatown. Yes. Watch, you know, Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. Watch some and of the great the scripts film, too. Film noir, mm-hmm. you know, and read the scripts. Right. Absolutely, yes, because you learn a lot. And you are, you know, you can uh, uh, see how structure and character right. uh, develops, and uh, particularly a lot of these films are, are much uh, more character based. Right. And there's a lot in terms of. Uh, uh, how you introduce a character and, and uh, elements of construction right. that are uh, that are important for all of us to mm-hmm. uh, you know to learn now, from. Let me ask you. So, how did making love come to you? How did making that, love. Uh, well, that was a, a, a certainly a life changing experience for me. Um, I was um, my partner at the time was Scott Berg, and um, you know I had just uh, I'd done a lot of these big you know star driven movies, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of you know these glossy love stories, comedies, romantic comedies. And I was uh, just turning 30 and really kind of looking for a new direction to go in as a writer. I wanted to write more serious uh, movies that more tapped into personal experience. And Scott was very instrumental in, you know, in saying, why don't, uh, why don't you write about you know, your own experience as a gay man and, and coming wow. out? And this was you know, in the early 1980s mm-hmm. at, and at the time when people just weren't out of the closet. Right. And uh, the idea of writing a movie that was so personal and so, you know, a, a, a deeply a tied to my own life experience was pretty daunting. And mm-hmm. um, I resisted it. And I said, wow, you know, I don't know if I can dig that deep. I don't know if I can go right. to those places. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and at the same time, knowing if I, if I were to write it, I'd also, you know, need to come out publicly to mm-hmm. give the film some legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really resisted, and he kept pushing. And I must say, he kept pushing and saying, "You know, this is—you've got to do this. You got to do this." And broke me down finally. And mm-hmm. and I said, "The only—the only thing is, I, I don't want to write it on spec because I don't want to, you know, pour my blood and guts into this thing and then have everybody say, no, we, we're not going to do a, right. a gay movie.'" Right. So I said, "I let let's go to a, a studio and see if we can develop the film. That if the script turns out well, that they'll make it. At least I need that assurance to know right. they'll make it." Sure. So we went to 20th Century Fox. Scott uh, had a good friend who was in development, Claire Townsend, at, at Fox. And Sherry Lansing was the first female studio head yes. at the time. Gosh. And we, we pitched it to them, and they said, yes, let's do it. And I think it took a woman head of a studio, two women, actually, mm-hmm. to get this through at that time. Because I don't think any man at that time, straight or gay, yeah. would have been open to doing yeah, something been like open that. To yeah. something. But it took uh, two women pioneers to get this film made. And they said, let's, let's develop this. I knew if they were willing to make it that I could write the script that they would make. So uh, Scott, Scott and I worked on it, and I went off and wrote the... We developed a story together, and um, uh, I went off and wrote the script and um, turned it in, and sure enough, they said, let's go with it. And Dan Melnick, who, uh, who had just signed a producing deal there, was a big producer at the time, had done... Um, uh, 
Close Encounters and all that jazz and Altered States and had just signed a deal at Fox and came aboard and they gave it to him and, and he said, I want to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Again, a, a social pioneer. Mm-hmm. And it was the first major studio that, to present a positive image of, of, a, of a gay person. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd seen, we'd, you know, I grew up, and this generation grew up seeing films where gay people were either butts of jokes right. or pathetic mm-hmm. characters or suicidal oh, or jumped off a bridge. These were men. Yes. Yeah, like, the, I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Because, and women, too. I mean, Because right before your film, the, they, yeah. like, the only experience we had with that, like, when we talk about being comedic, like, yeah. remember Lakaja Falls? Yeah. yeah. Norman, is that you? Yeah. It was just like... Yeah, just, buffoons, gay yeah. people were the yeah. butts of jokes. Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, the, the movies like The Children's Hour. Remember Shirley yes. McLean committing suicide because right. she, she, she was so ashamed of oh, being God, gay. Oh, God, that movie just tears me out when I think about it. Or advising Consent, the right. Murray character committing right. suicide. Right. Um, I mean, the Cellular Closet does a terrific job of, of um, uh, portraying the history of, of gay and lesbian people in mm. film and how they were, you know, always considered, you know, these negative stereotypes. Right. And this movie uh, broke through that. This movie was the first movie to present a positive role model of, of a gay man who uh, accepts his homosexuality, comes out of the closet, mm. and uh, uh, finds his, uh, happiness and pride and gratification as a gay man, and you know there'd never been the statement in, in movies before, in American films certainly not, and it was a, a pretty audacious statement to make. But Fox was willing to do it, and mm-hmm. Sherry Lansing stood up before the board and said, "I want to make this movie." Uh, 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 you know, getting resistance on her own That's from right. uh, mm-hmm. the people around her, but she um, she stood tough and. Um, we made the movie, and uh, it was uh, groundbreaking in right. that, in no, that were regard. You able to be on the set for yes, absolutely. I was there every mm-hmm. minute. I, I, in fact, working with Arthur Hiller, who was a terrific director and had done a lot of, uh, uh, did Love Story, remember, and, yes. and Hospital and American Nation. My Memory. God, if you have yeah. not seen Hospital yeah. or have not read that script, what is yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, George C. Scott, please. Yes, right. <laughs> the in-laws who did yes. so. He, you know, he was mm-hmm. a, a, a prominent director and and well, a wonderful. Uh, God, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, he was he was terrific, Arthur. And um, yes, wanted me there. Listen, also wanted me there is the only gay man who was out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he was the only gay writer, right? Yes, Arthur. Yeah. You know, in all Hollywood, that you, you were it. <laughs> yeah, right. So he wanted me there for just uh, you know as a technical advisor. Right. You know? yeah. Perry, how, how do they stand this way? Do they stand this way? And Harry Han- stand this way. <laughs> Well, well, well you got to remember in context. Well, let's put it this that's way. That's what I know. Let's put it this way. I met you know when oh, we yeah. shot in the, when we shot in the alley behind Book Circus on Santa Monica. Oh yeah. That you know that alley. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you no, know, no, I don't know. <laughs> two in the morning, that okay. alley. You know, do they stand that way at two in the morning mm-hmm. in that alley? Mm-hmm. Is what he meant. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, and Harry Hamlin, uh, wow. God bless him, was terrific. Was and, and Mike Lonkin, oh, both of them. Yeah, God, two straight guys, and it was pretty risky in 1982 mm-hmm. to um, to play gay and, and to kiss another man on the on screen. Did you find when during the casting process for that, that were there resistance from actors from even? Oh, total resistance. We like, went to every major name and. Uh, they just said, no, no way am I going to you know, well, what, play what, what do you think huh. it was about these two guys who said, fuck that? I'm well, they, they weren't, you know, in that top league yet. They were, mm-hmm. you know, well, Harry was up and coming, had done Clash of the Titans. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Oh my and God. Michael had done uh, Slapshot and had done some television series. Mm-hmm. But they weren't, you know, in that A-level, you know, okay. top league, Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. you know, Dustin Hoffman league yet. Um, so they were, and they were both pretty um, brave actors. They were willing to, uh, you know, 
to do that. And uh, Kate Jackson was yeah, terrific. Yeah. You know, she was a uh, major star because she mm -hmm. done. She was Charles Angels. Right, yeah. right. And it was important to to cast somebody that the audience was familiar with to sort of right. guide them through. Right. And she had been in people's homes, and you know, Charles Angels was a huge hit series. Mm -hmm. And um, and she was terrific and wanted to do it. And she was kind of the the guide f through this, uh, you know, kind of forbidden uh, territory. And um, at the end of the movie, when she accepts. Her husband's, you know, uh, decision to, you know, to live life honestly mm -hmm. as a gay mm -hmm. man, and she was accepting of it. Then, you know, um, subconsciously the audience would as well. That was yeah, the intention. Yeah, because yeah. I remember there was a line. Oh, I can't remember off the top, but there's something where she keeps digging him. Like, what is wrong? Yeah, what's going yeah, on with yeah, what's going on yeah. With yeah. Finally, she says something like. Is it another woman? Like, yeah. whatever it is, I could just deal with it. Yeah, that yeah, type yeah, of, yeah. Like, fucking just tell me already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, right. That's interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like right. real shit to right. me. It's like they were friends, yeah. you know, even though they were, you know, married and in love and stuff. But Because yeah. he still loved her. Yes. Right. Which is one of the things I loved. You didn't make it so that he was like, you know, we haven't slept with each other in three years, so, you know, this is going to be easy for me to leave. Right. Yeah, no, I love this. Yes, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I got to deal with it. And this. it makes it complicated, and it, it yeah. brings all that dilemma and all of that angst to that to mm -hmm. that, that situation. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, year, what, what year was Making Love? Because I want to... 82. 82. It came out in 83. Because no, I want Was it 82? Because yeah. I'm trying to remember... Because I remember that movie came out... I. I I, I accidentally got to see it because my mom didn't know what it was. She just dropped me off at the movies. You know, it was a movie. You go and I'm going to shop and go do that. But there was no, I'm trying to think because I remember seeing that and then thinking of another movie that I got to see what was considered forbidden at the time. Oh, Cruising. Which year uh, was oh, Cruising? Cruising was before that. Cruising, came before, yeah, yeah, but Cruising was a pretty uh, ugly sort it of was, movie. It was, it yeah, was. Because yeah. I just remember when Al that, about, yeah, about that time because I think in, in terms of me being a kid watching a film and, and understanding sexuality, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Making Love was such a 180 from cruising, yeah. you know. I don't want to get my mom in trouble for letting her know I go out to all these movies. But, you know, she, it was, hey, you go to the movies. That's what you do. And I just remember what a revelation it was because it was like, God damn, every, people. They're just yeah. people. People are people, yeah. you know. And being at a young age and watching these films and seeing that and realizing, man, grown-ups are really stupid. <laughs> well, to see how far we've come, right. you know, since 82, uh, I remember audiences, watching that movie with audiences, uh, when the two men kissed, they would, you know, go berserk. People mm -hmm. would storm yeah, up. Not only, yeah, the moans and the yeah. and the gasps and the, but people would storm up the aisles. They couldn't take it. I mean, this was 1982. Mm -hmm. It's also, you know, the beginning of the Reagan era. We were living in a very conservative time. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. and um, AIDS was coming out. Yes, mm -hmm. and AIDS, well, it just yeah, we were just at the at the, the start of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, look how far we've come now right. with, uh, with television. I mean, it's uh, it's a common thing to see two guys. You well, know. it's funny because that movie, like, what is it, like every ten years they have like a big screening oh anniversary screening, yeah, yeah. yeah. I festered a thirtieth anniversary, yeah, yeah, a couple years ago, yeah, they did it, yeah, it's terrific. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a classic movie. I mean, you did a couple movies that are, that are classic. I guess that one's just. As a gay man, that one moves me the yeah. most just because it was so prolific. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I love about that movie, I know we're talking about it a lot, but one of the things I love about that movie in particular is, you know, I was just a kid when it came out, probably like nine or something, whatever. See, and I was only 10 when I wrote it, so. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, or maybe 10, whatever. Right. But it, it, 
was the first time, and I didn't really know what it meant, yeah. but I knew that I was. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. how I saw the movie, yeah. but I remember being so intrigued by how sexy it felt. Interesting. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Usually when I, say, when I see these gay films at Outfest, I can't stand them because it's just all butt and ass and, yeah. you know what I mean, no reason for them to be naked. Yours was like, let me show you this tension build yeah. to when they finally do it freaking makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they, they earned it. Hilliard, interesting. Here's the contrast. See, when I was nine or ten and, and would see, uh, and, and also discovering these feelings and not quite knowing what they were, but knowing, you know, there's something different. Uh, and I would see a per, an image of a gay man who would slit his throat when he found out he was gay. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference. And right. suddenly, my generation would say, "Oh my God, I can't mm-hmm. be that," you know. So you'd repress it, right. and, and mm-hmm. you'd be tormented by it, right. you know. And uh, no good, mm-hmm. no good. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, but I just wanted to go off on that, and also Roberta Flack did yes. the freaking theme the, song. The theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. It was making love. Wasn't yeah, it, it was, yeah. sure was. Yeah. 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 So let's skip over a couple of stuff because I really want to spend time talking about Knock 'em Dead. Yes. But um, let's just give a list of the other few films. Well, then, then Crimes of Passion, uh, which was, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. And that's another become a cult film. Yes. We just had a 30th anniversary screening uh, two weeks ago in Montreal at the International mm. Film Festival. Wow. Yeah. And then we had a 30th anniversary at Outfest uh, in July. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also. Okay. So that film is endured too. Right. Kathleen Turner, Anthony Perkins. Um, a really, you know, a, a daring, oh, okay. very explicit, sexually graphic film mm-hmm. about the psychology of sexuality. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty dark, intense film, uh, and she's amazing. I'm I mean, hearing she, a theme in some of the writing that you do. <laughs> absolutely, you know, we all have. Yes, yes, yes. right. You're absolutely right. It's so interesting you say that because I'm teaching a class next uh, semester mm-hmm. uh, and, and the voice of the screenwriter yes. okay. and how screenwriters do have themes that yes. emerge in their work yes. that transcend often the work of the director. Right. Yes. And I think it's important for uh, screenwriters to know that, to mm-hmm. know that they can uh, voice, have a voice and mm-hmm. they can have a, a, a sensibility that's distinct and unique. I think mm-hmm. it's important for all of us mm-hmm. as writers to, mm-hmm. to know that we have that voice and that we can express it and we should express it. Mm-hmm. And I want you know, students to know that and I want to show them examples of how that manifests itself right. in, um, in movies. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's a good mm-hmm. class. I mean, we, we've talked quite a few classes on you know, how to find that voice and whatever. Yes. But I'm always looking at the, the, the different themes that people are always writing about certain things and usually like we always say it's always subconscious yes. right yeah no that's clearly true not aware yes and, and then thank you the body of work and you're yeah. like holy oh moly God, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out yeah. no i definitely have a specific mm-hmm. theme mm-hmm. themes that i write about mm-hmm. for sure yeah okay. right yeah um so what what else? Let's just give us a couple of lists of some of the other movies, and then let's get into that, you know. And, and um, I did a film called All American Murder uh, with Christopher Walken okay. and and Charlie Schlatter and um, Joanna Cassidy, which is a, a murder mystery set on a college campus, uh, also dealing with similar themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a movie with Catherine Heigl called Evil Never Dies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That was pretty recent, last like. Yeah, it was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've worked on and off, and you know, the last few years I've been uh, teaching writing, but uh, then I have the Knock 'em Dead, which just. Well let, uh, well, let me jump to that real yeah. quick. What made you move into teaching? Because as as instructors ourselves. Well, um, 
<laughs> you clearly moved out of LA. I, I was looking. Yeah, I, I had written most of my life and got a lot of movies made, and and uh, you know it's it's a tough business. Uh, you know, getting films made and then uh, uh, working and 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 seeing the work. You know, uh, not not always come out the way you want it, and and oftentimes it's just a struggle to get it made. And you know, I was going through a point in my life where I was starting to feel, you know, I need to take a break from this. I need to kind of you know recharge. And I had taught out and off and on. I, I remember I, t I taught uh, at the uh, um, I, the Gay Center here. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I did a, uh, a voluntary uh, screenwriting class to raise money for, for AIDS awareness in, in the 80s mm -hmm. and loved the experience and thought, boy, I'd love to... Uh, to you know, to do more of this, mm -hmm. and um, I, as I was, you know, uh, about ten years ago, I was going through this uh, uh, reexamination of where I wanted to go uh, with my career, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, a couple friends of mine said, you know, why don't you consider teaching more on a full time basis? Mm -hmm. And I thought about it, and uh, someone had um, alerted me to the fact that there was a, uh, they were looking for an opening at the University of Central Florida, which is the second largest university in the country, for, oh, yeah, for yeah. somebody to teach screenwriting. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, well, I'll check it out. I'll investigate it. So I, you know, I contacted them and I sent them in my resume, and they flew me out to, you know, interview. Child, they took a, wait, they took a look at that resume and it's like, you know what? Give him the tickets. <laughs> they, okay. They, they flew me out to meet everyone and, and interview, and, and a week later they offered me a job with tenure, which is okay with tenure, from, jump. Let me, let me yeah. you, from jump. From jump. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of an offer you can't refuse. So I thought, well, I'll give it a year and just, you know, I, I take the year and, and, and see how I like it and if I like the experience. And I uh, took the year and just fell in love with the place. Yeah. Fell in love with the idea of being in that environment, in that mm -hmm. college environment, being around that enthusiasm and excitement mm -hmm. of, and being able to, to you know, uh, take what I've learned in my own experience right. and uh, knowledge and, and impart it to, uh, to students. And it's just a terrific experience. I've been doing, and I stay there ever since. I come back to LA every summer for th for three months. Because yeah, that's usually when I see this is my home base. Sure, yeah, sure, and yeah. I and I and I love being back here. And we'll come back here eventually, you know, for good. But uh, right now, I'm having a great time. You know, it's cool. looking all tan like he lives in Florida. Uh, relax. <laughs> he's not a guy. He's out there he's not even working. Right. on the yachts. You know, <laughs> which I, 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 I'm I'm very appreciative when when you have working screenwriters, people who have been there, who who do go back and teach and don't mm -hmm. just kind of retire and you know go off in the sunset well, because I think it's so important for writers that are coming up to really get hands on from someone who's been there. Absolutely. Someone it, who has sat who's still who's sitting still in there and it. writing it yeah. and doing it, right. you know, and still, you know, getting hands on real stuff as opposed to we talk about all the time you have like the gurus mm -hmm. which is fun that's yeah, great right. for you get inspired there's by a there's, there's a need for that yeah. but there's a difference between people who who teach you either from the from the reader side in terms of working in as a, a, a script analyst who mm -hmm. no i am one of the gatekeepers mm -hmm. let me tell you how to do this mm -hmm. and someone who's also an actual screenwriter who's had stuff produced oh. and like here's the shit mm -hmm. this is what i work with and mm -hmm. this is what you need to know Look, and that's so i know when i was invaluable when i was at ucla film school we would have professional writers come in and talk mm -hmm. to students and it was so important and so valuable and I right. learned so much from that mm -hmm. you know uh, as much as I learned from just you know a, a regular teacher so right. I thought that was really important and right. I knew that and I thought so I thought you know it was important then to to uh, to convey that to students the other thing is you know uh, what can knock them dead when we shot the film I would uh, keep a diary and every day I would email my students my writing oh. students I had to teach a class of screenwriting you're gonna do a little book on that okay. 
Yes, and I would yes. say this is what we did today. And these are the, the you know you can write a script, but sometimes when you're shooting, problems you know encounter whether it's weather, whether it's right. uh, casting or whatever it is. And I would say, well, this is what happened today, and this is how we had to. Uh, uh, rework the scene because real uh, practical stuff. Yes, practical yeah. stuff. So every day we do. So I was able to then use the experience of making the movie a as a teaching device as well. Mm -hmm. So that that was important too. So I love that. Now we're here at Knockin' Dead. Yes. So let's talk about the origins of it. How yes. you wrote it. And yes. Well, how you eventually cast the black cats. I think okay, yes, really absolutely. Um, well, David Dakota, who I mentioned, uh, uh, the, director. the director, who uh, I knew from Crimes of Passion, Craft Services, and he went on to a, you know, a, a very successful career doing primarily low-budget horror. Mm -hmm. But we always talked about working together and made great friends. And he and I uh, went to uh, Regent uh, Entertainment with the, the idea for this movie, mm -hmm. And we developed it there, and um, this was a while back, and they uh, didn't go through. They didn't make the film, and we were, you know, very frustrated. And we were able to get, uh, we were trying to get the film made other places, and not having a lot of luck. And finally, David said to me one day, he said, "Look, let's just make it ourselves. Mm. You know, let's just do it for a low, low, much lower budget." Mm. And try to you know scrape the money together ourselves and make the movie. So thank God you kept it contained. In that yes, area. well <laughs> I, I I did rewrite it because when we developed it at Region it was a, a little okay. more expansive. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. But right. yes, but right. um, I was I got the rights back uh, from Region mm -hmm. and um, had the script you know was able to get the, the, the rights back and have the script uh, on our own. And um, I scaled it way down so that we could confine it to one basic setting. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, was able to contain it into that that setting, and um, we're ready to go. And uh, we put up the money ourselves, wow. not a lot, but we knew. Get it back on Netflix and all that other shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> you but that but that's you know that's 2014, 2015. That's the way you make movies today. Right. So you can go out and you know and shoot a movie for a low, much lower budget. Right. Um, and then you, you know, and, and you, there are a lot of venues like uh, Netflix and VOD mm -hmm. and. Um, that uh, you can you know get your money back on, um, and that you know that you can find an audience with at the same time. Uh, and David said to me one day, he said, "I have a great idea for casting because uh, I had written the script, uh, just you know as I would write any script, just you know with characters and an idea of this uh, uh, cast and crew coming together for the re not a reunion, but for the re the sequel." Mm -hmm. He said, "Let's cast it all African American." I said, that's a great idea. Someone made so, um, what do you think? He just said, uh, he thought, let's do it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. never been done where you write a script and just, you know, cast it totally after the And he's a white dude, too, just mm -hmm. so you know, which mm -hmm. I just love. I think, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and let's just uh, uh, cast it with all African-American actors and, and just play it as we normally would. Good. I said, that's... It's not about color. It's not all. about mm -hmm. color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only interesting thing is um, the actors in the, in the movie, the actors, the producer, the director, the uh, um, lawyer are all African-American, mm -hmm. uh, but the maiden butler are white, played by white people. Oh, really? Yeah, right. Oh, I said, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, uh, Barry, you need to teach a class on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's real shit. That's right. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was funny because uh, I have an, uh, one of my colleagues at, uh, at UCF, an African-American guy, we were going to uh, co-teach a class in how white uh, directors and black directors perceive uh, uh, a race, mm -hmm. uh, and you know we, you'd show 
you know, he, I would show guests who's coming to dinner, and he would show uh, Mo Better Blues mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And that, you know, interesting enough. So we've been talking about that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, going back to Knockin' Dead, um, so not a word was changed. Uh, I mean, it plays exactly mm -hmm. as written. Mm -hmm. And it's terrific. I mean, the, the, it's a great cast. Look, also, when you're doing a movie on that kind of a tight schedule and tight budget, you need total professionalism. Right. The actors, you know, you can't pull any diva shit. You can't, you've got to know your lines. And everybody was a total pro. And those are people who've been in the business for a oh, long yeah, time. Absolutely. And they know. And they yeah. want to work. Yeah. And they yes. want to put out some well, good well, product. Well, let's talk about casting. How did you guys get those actors? Well, we had a, a, a really terrific casting director, Jan Glazer. And... Um, uh, she would uh, send us, uh, you know, links to the videos and uh, and and photos, and um, I would go on, and you know, David and I worked on this together, and um, uh, we just uh, like, for example, um, uh, I sent a, they sent a link to Deborah Wilson's stuff for Mad TV. Remember, mm -hmm. she would do her Oprah imitations mm -hmm. on, and hysterical. She's mm -hmm. so funny. I said. We have to have Deborah in this movie, you know. It's, yeah, it's just you know, she's just too talented. Not, mm -hmm. and you know that's how we, you know. Now you know, not every actor was willing to do it at that budget, you know. Um, I know that you know because you know it's a, it was a short schedule and they worked how for scale. Six days. Oh, what? What? Yeah. what? Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say 14 days or some shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Those are some long hours. Yeah. Well, when you see the film tonight, you'll yeah. see how good David is because you um. never know it. Because people have seen the film, mm -hmm. they think, well, you must have had, what, like 30 days or something? Right, right. Mm -mm. So, well, actually, David on the show. Let me, I want to interview him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is he here? He's here. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's great. He's yeah. great. Yeah. Especially because we know his, more of his movies. Yes, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, he'll do it. He'll love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see him tonight. Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, but uh, it's the best cast I ever worked with. They're just yeah. absolutely terrific. You know, Every, why? they black folks. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> we, we, just, we just got it like that. You now. bet. <laughs> no, but everybody, they, and they knew that, you know, to, to make th this movie at that budget and that's good, they had to know their lines. They had to mm -hmm. come. And, you know, it was a long drive out to the set. We shot in the Malibu Hills, and, you know, it's a 45 minute drive every day. Mm -hmm. You know, what if uh, there's a flat tire or what if there's an accident or, you know, right. and they're, you know, three hours late on that schedule, mm -hmm. you know, it could really fuck and things everybody's up. Everybody's there almost every day because it's so contained. Right, yes, everybody right. was there every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but we were lucky. Uh, you know, we actually, it was really five days shoot. The sixth day was the Amorosa scene, which okay. um, is a separate uh, scene, as you'll see tonight. Uh, so it's really a, a five day shoot with all the actors. But, um, you know, David would uh, light the scene and line up the shots while I was w running lines with the actors. And, you know, it was everything was very tightly coordinated and uh, and it went off, you know, without any uh, problem. I mean, we were very lucky. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I would. But yeah, we're very lucky. And and the actors are, and they're totally supportive of the film. I mean, mm -hmm. they've been to every screening and mm -hmm. they've, you know, brought their friends. And and um, like I said, we were going to screen it at the Rogers Guild the other night. And uh, I, I didn't tell you the story. So let me, let me tell you the story right quick. So when you go to the Writers Guild to go see a screening, if you're there early, people have to wait in the lobby, right? So I get there, and usually I can just go up because I'm part of the committee. And I get there, and he's like, oh, you got to wait. I was like, um, I'm part of the committee. Like, motherfucker, you know who I am? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm here all the time. I, I talk to you all the time. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, they're having an issue upstairs, and yada, yada, yada. I look to my right, and I see Omarosa standing there like, how long is this going to last? And she heard me say I'm one of the committee. Mm -hmm. And I turned to her and said, hey, I'm one of the... She goes, hey. And I says, I said, look, 
Um, we can't. She's one of the stars of the movie. We can't have her sit down here looking like this. I said, let me let me just take her up. This was like a room full of people. Mm -hmm. So let me just take her up so she doesn't look all crazy in here. So I did that. I brought her up. Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean? And I brought her up and, you know. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. It was just mainly because it just didn't look good. Yeah. You know, I didn't see any any of the other stars at the time. Mm -hmm. But I recognized her and brought her up. We talked all the way up the elevator. I realized, oh, my God, I'm Rosa. You know Pamela. So we get into this whole conversation. She was so sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, she really is. Mm -hmm. She's a sweetheart. She's Mm -hmm. just terrific. And very, very funny in the movie. You'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And people are going to be very surprised. Wow. Yeah. But um, and Jack Kay is terrific oh, too. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and she's uh, she's going Queen Latifah. I think in the next couple of weeks too. Oh, really? to, yeah, mm-hmm. to, to talk good. about the film. Yeah, because so. everybody's out promoting the film for them. Yeah, movie. yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Because I I wanted I I was at, where was I? Did you have like some promotional posters out like yes. some weeks back? Yes. Because I was over at Dark Delicacies, Highdale, yeah. my uh, my yeah, horror bookstore, and I remember I was going in because you know I have to go get my action figures, and Dale always <laughs> has my stuff. I know I cleaned my car out and I took some stuff out of my car and I realized, dang, I didn't bring my action figures. <laughs> but when I went in, I was you know usually has like, a lot of posters, a lot of movie stuff, anything mm-hmm. horror or anything like that. So as I'm leaving out, I always look on the side thing to see, oh, what's the new movie? And I remember seeing the flyer on them like. What movie is this with all these black actors that I know? Like, mm-hmm. what movie is this? And I was just like looking at him, like, oh my God, like, where is this coming out? I remember picking it up and seeing all the faces on there. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a horror and it's a comedy. Because you know, one of my pet peeves is I like my horror pure. Mm-hmm. But if you can make it funny where it's organic to the story yes. and yeah. still give me my scares, yeah. Yeah. I'll go along with it. But I remember seeing the flyer for that, like, oh, let me grab this and let people know when this comes out. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I know these people on here. It's like, I got to see this movie. And that's when I was looking and grabbing some other things, too. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. Who did this? I was still stuck on the Yeah, six days. days. Damn. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I tell you, you got to get some pros yeah. <laughs> when you got to do a tight shoot like that yeah. and have yeah. them prepared. Well, this is the key. I mean, and, and I tell this to my students as well. If you're doing this kind of a low budget, micro budget film, right. preparation, that's the key. David knew exactly what he was going to shoot, mm-hmm. uh, where he was going to shoot it. He knew that location, every inch of it. And he knew which scenes and, and, and I mean, where to put the actors in, in each scene. Mm-hmm. And you know that th- you have to be prepared. How much rehearsal time did you have before getting on set? That you have a little well, time we, to. Well, we the we, right before we started shooting, uh, I flew in and I was here the week before, and we met with the actors, the three uh, mm-hmm. leads, the three women, and we ran through, went, went through the script. So uh, we did a read through, mm-hmm. and uh, so th- you know they got a feeling for the characters, and then any you know. So it's change. focused on them mainly. They have all. The Primarily, time. but. Um, uh, you know they were available at that time, and we wanted, to, and they wanted to do it as well. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of rehearsal, like when David, uh, you know, was working, you know, doing the uh, the, the lighting and the, the setting up the shot, mm-hmm. I would be in the other room going through running lines and rehearsing with the actors mm-hmm. too. So, and they wanted to. I mean, mm-hmm. certain actors want to just you know do it, and the other actors want to rehearse. That's what pros do. Right. Yeah, they want to. They yeah. want to do it, and a lot of them come from theater too, so they go back and forth. Right. And yeah. They like that. Yeah. Right. But they were they were wanted to run lines just so they would make you know because again there's a when you're doing, and the, with that that cast, it was five days because uh, said so the Amorosa was this, the extra day. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue to learn, and it's a lot of dialogue in the film. So they wanted to make sure they knew the lines. So they were, you know, intent on running lines. They really mm-hmm. wanted to just so they would, you know, know the lines. And right. you know, the more they said it, the more they would get it. You know. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, but I wanted, I really wanted to have you on the show. I mean, you have a super amazing career. Right? Oh my God. Thank like, you, you just Googled, I was looking at it and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, he did that one too. He wrote that one and then that one. Yeah. Things on there than After right? a while, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more stuff on there. Oh my gosh. You don't get all your IMDb credits. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to have you on particularly. Um, I wanted to talk about making love, of course, because that was historic for me personally. Mm-hmm. And also because of Knock 'em Dead, because you know, let, let's just get it out there. I mean, you're a white, you know, uh, a writer and producer, and as is your director, um, David. And you guys changed the game. You're like, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we try this another way? Which is you always say, mm-hmm. make it a woman instead of a man. Make right, it switch up, it up. You know, yeah, switch it up a little bit. And you guys were a great example. So I really hope all you listeners. Go and see Knock 'em Dead on Vinyl Demand, all those other places. Is it out now or is it about to uh, t- Tomorrow, November 7th. Okay, Friday, November yeah. 7th, okay. guys, it'll be out. Um, so let's just, uh, is there anywhere people can find you right quick? You got a, something? For oh, I got a little If anyone's in the, in, in the Los Angeles area, uh, on Saturday night, we're having the premiere. You're all welcome to come. Um, no charge. It's at the Arena Theater uh, on Las Palmas, right behind the Egyptian Theater at 8.30 Saturday night. It's a mm-hmm. red carpet premiere. And all are welcome. So if you're around oh, Los wow. Angeles, all the stars will be there. The stars will be there. Wow. Yeah, How photographers, fun. all that. Yeah. All right. So if you're around eight thirty, there'll be a lot of black folks in there, a lot of white folks. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. You bet. Yes. Well, that's That'll be that's fun. Very fun. Are you on Twitter? No, I'm not. No, Come I'm on now, still living in the dark. Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> you got to hit me up a little bit. You got the tan. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> It'll come. I, I, I'm very slow to all these things, but I eventually do them. But the, you know, mm-hmm. I'm slow to the, slow to the game. <laughs> so you right. still on MySpace, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I still have one of those phones where you hand crank it. <laughs> and call, Called on called Millie down at the general store, like, you know. So, <laughs> Rexville twenty five, please. Yeah, right. It's not there. Oh, darn it. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Barry. Thank you, Hilary. Thank you, Lisa. It was great. It's be a lot of Thank fun you. for that yeah, movie. So we're gonna go see it. Knock him dead. Great. Great. Um, so there's a little segment we do. Yes. Lisa has, as she calls the clap. It's just a clap back. And basically what it is, it's like if something's happening in Hollywood or in pop culture, and I feel I must speak on it, whether it's positive or negative. But here's the thing. I'm really excited because, you know, the Sci-Fi Channel just announced that they're actually going to kind of go back to what the Sci-Fi Channel is supposed to be about in terms of uh, their content. Because I know right now Sci-Fi has been known for like Sharknado and... You know, come on, come on, come on. Those are fun. I know, comedy. I know. Where it's CGI, yeah. like it's like seventh grade CGI. It's like, really? Y'all couldn't have improved that? But you know what? Those type of movies are fun. You know, mm-hmm. when it's a Sunday, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll put the sci-fi channel on. A lot of those movies I've seen before, you know, they're just fun. Fun, silly, popcorn, not taken seriously kind of thing. True. Every now and then they put in a couple of like classic horror movies or sci-fi, thing, you know, that kind of thing. But I guess they realize they don't want to be corny anymore. Oh, really? Yes. So they want to be taken seriously. So basically what they're doing is they are, um, they're coming out with five new projects um, that are more, I don't want to say respectable, but like legitimate (laughs) sci-fi, like what we thought the sci-fi channel was really going to be about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But one of the projects I'm actually really looking forward to see, Mm -hmm. and I hope they do it right, is Ascension. Like oh, I yeah, was yeah. when I saw Nightcrawler, I saw one of the trailers that were talking about the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god, they're bringing like because they had Helix and a couple other series shows, mm-hmm. and I thought, my god, they're really trying to do something different, but they're also trying to bring back good, real 
parkour mm-hmm. sci-fi. So I just want to give a little shout out and a little clap back, like sci-fi channel, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> for the love of God. Like I have been, I've been rolling with y'all mm-hmm. from day one. I've been rolling with you guys when you made the name change to SYF. I mean, I was there with you. That was cool. I tried to hold on <laughs> to your integrity. I enjoyed the fandom of Sharknado and, and Crockett. Croc- <laughs> I mean, look, yesterday I was like doing some reading and doing some stuff, and I had the Sci Fi Channel on just in the background. <laughs> and I looked up and I said, Does this bitch got Tiffany and, uh, oh God, what's the girl that sang that, like pop stars, like in the 80s? I think it's Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. And I thought, and like literally, I mean, I think it was them because I didn't take the time to IMD. But I looked up and I go, Ain't this some, this is Tiffany and Debbie Gibson fighting a shark? No, it was, it was an alligator and some baby giant ginormous snakes, and the, the 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 computer graphics were horrible. They were like back like in the eighties when we were learning computer programming, where you know it's like return to five. It's just it was just them all in Canada. And you know what? And it was just Not that horrible. Canada isn't good, but I mean no. But then when I saw the trailer for Ascension, and I was like, oh my god, this could be actually something really good. And then to go home and just see. It was like, you have stepped your game up, sci-fi. Hopefully these other shows will improve. Mm -hmm. I really hope you do. Um, There's a lot of uh, real serious sci-fi content that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. Um, If you do this, trust me, trust me, trust me. The fans will come. You will up your your viewership. But I have to say, it's time for us to like put to bed those... And I love Roger Corman because I know a lot of these productions yeah. and stuff are coming from his company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a ride-or-die chick or for Asylum. Roger Corman. Yeah, or Asylum. Mm-hmm. I'm a ride-or-die for that because I do appreciate that. Because, you know, you can't always be serious and ha- you got to have some silly fun sure. stuff too. Sure. But I think right now it's kind of overwhelmed the Sci-Fi Channel. And, I you know, agree. you maybe just have a Sunday silly you know, a block of programming, yes. you know, uh, yes. like maybe four hours yes. on Sunday from mm-hmm. like 11 a.m. to whatever. <laughs> and I mean, I hate to be doing somebody's job and programming, you know, yeah. but I'm just saying as a fan who is trying to maybe, help maybe you. That's where you should be a developer I, producer. <laughs> that's where you should be a suit. You know, because me being a sci-fi mm-hmm. writer and knowing sci-fi writers and knowing a lot of beautiful content that should mm-hmm. be up there, like you really need to step your game up sci-fi. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping this is going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll give you a couple more years, and we may have to break up. <laughs> but I've been loyal from day one. Okay. So Sci-Fi Channel, yay you for trying to come up a little bit. Um, let's I try. Think to... They need to start watching more BBC and learn how it's done. Can we just change? Then... You know what? Look, look. That's all look. I do now. Like I switch it over, and I'm like, I'm just gonna. Come. I feel like I'm, I'm strand, like mm-hmm. I'm cheating. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, I do have to go to BBC America. Like, let me see my Orphan Black and my other stuff yeah, over here. Like some yeah. real serious. You can uh-huh. have the speculative element, but at the same time, some serious character and good stuff. Mm-hmm. So sci-fi. Let's keep the silliest to Sundays between like 11, <laughs> 11 and four. You know, and a small window, a small window, that's like two shows. You know right? what? Because I like, I trust me, I love Sharknade and all that silliness, uh-huh. but I can't, I can't take it 24 uh-huh. 7. Every time I turn on the channel, the same damn sets, you know, Sounds you know, great. you know, I made five movies, uh-huh. and I know it's like the old hammer school, you know, uh-huh. the old school, you know, we got to use these sets, and I know it's the old school. You know what? We're going to make 15 movies out of this bitch. We only got this for two more weeks, but it's time to step your game up. You've got a brand. We need to rebrand that brand and make it serious. You're the only thing out there. You're the only look, thing I have. Because look, because I'm watching, there's a show called Z Nation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Which is a zombie show. Yes. Right. 
and it's trying to compete with Walking Dead. And yes, can't even you cannot. You, you need to stop. Stop it. Every, there's no like. For, I was given these. We were watching. I was showing my partner Scott last night the season premiere this year. Of, the, of of season five right. of the Walking Dead, which is fucking badass. Are you right? watching? Are you watching? Oh yeah, the Walking Dead? episode. Okay, okay. We, we, yeah. okay yeah. good. Yeah. So look, um, and they all burst out of Terminus, right? Terminus. <laughs> yes. So they burst out of there, and you know everybody fighting everybody, and Rick is trying to find a way out, and the zombies, the, the horde is coming through because Carol let them in. Right. Right. They they the, they're coming in, and they are like, fuck, like we can't be seen. You watch Z Nation, they're like, oh, it's just a hundred of them. You know what I mean? Like, there's no fear. There's no realism. Yeah, there's no realism to it. Yeah, and plus, unless they're stuck in a right. room and a bunch of them are in, then they're worried. And let's but, be honest, you kind of really don't care about the characters on Z Nation. I mean, because let's be honest, The Walking Dead really is not about the zombies. No. No, it's about, true. It's about no. the Yeah, it's about yeah. the And that's, that's what makes, yeah. makes yeah. that show work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, that's yeah. what makes that show work compared. And, you know, much respect to Z Nation trying to do their thing, but it's like you really, number one, we got to get off the zombie tip. Like, there's other stuff out there. No, no, no. I don't know. You can't. But it's like every new show is like, and it's like zombies. Like, there are other things out there. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to do a Z Nation, do something. Like, you need to seriously sit your ass down. Look at The Walking Dead. And and really think about, can we really come out with a product that compares to that? And you got to be honest. You can't. So what you got to do is come up with something totally different. And make me want to razzle dazzle and go to that. Mm-hmm. So Z Nation, hey, much respect. You're trying, boo boo. But um, y'all, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all, I, hey, you may get an extra mm-hmm. season, maybe. And I do realize there's probably fans out there who like that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But for people like me who like story and character and plot mm-hmm. and likes to have those things mesh, mm-hmm. because to give me feeling, like, bitch, you got to make me cry. You can't have me watching. Like, look, I'll say it again. How many of you guys had dry eyes out there when the, uh, the couple episodes, when yes. when Daryl and, and Carol and everybody oh was back God. together? Like, yeah, sure. unless you was like a homie from the beginning and watching it, like, mm-hmm. you, there's no way you can sit there. Or when when uh, Sasha sees you know her mm-hmm. brother and they embrace and everybody's together and is mm-hmm. that moment there you you even if you didn't cry, you felt something like something. you felt a heaving Absolutely. like God damn it, these people mm-hmm. like that's your family. Mm-hmm. If you're not bringing that type of game to your zombie <laughs> extravaganza, please, for the love of God mm-hmm. and all things in Hollywood, mm-hmm. bring us something new and different. Because you're not going to be able to compete. There's no way. There's no way. They're at that level now with five seasons. What they're like, maybe going to eight okay, seasons. They maybe. Just got picked up for six. Okay, so you know what's going on. I mean, honestly, I don't know what how how much further it can take. I tell you know what? I lie every season. I say this. Like I don't know how much more I can watch. It's just, it's you know, you get and then I they do something that right makes me come back in. into it, yeah. but. But, but seriously, but you know, you, you brought up a great point, Lisa, and, and it's a writing point. And I tell this to all my uh, uh, students too: you've got to connect with the characters. Yes, you know, I don't care how many zombies or how many kills, or if you don't care about those people, oh God, and yes. what they're going through, then it, that doesn't matter. And it's it's yeah. nothing. It's like it's it's really hollow, and, yeah. it, and it's so hard to convey that to people because it's so easy to make a movie and oh, blood and guts and crazy stuff. But the movies that resonate, the ones that people still talk about. Years later, mm-hmm. it's those characters. And even though people love zombie movies, the zombie movies that resonate for me are the ones that it is character. When you're talking about the original Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. when you're talking about 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. when you're talking about those types, oh my God, Dawn of the Dead, uh, you know, the 80s mm-hmm. consumerism, like where you're mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, I care. You got to really sit down and think about, are people going to connect to my characters? Because your characters are the ones that are going to 
carry us through the story. Mm-hmm. It's not the monsters. I love monsters, mm-hmm. but it's going to be those people dealing with those monsters or crazy creatures that really pulls through. And if you're just giving us a monster, and it's just boring. Agreed. And don't be basic. Don't be a basic bitch <laughs> so with your horror. We're going to leave him with We're going to leave with that. Don't be a basic <laughs> bitch with your horror. <laughs> Please. Why Please. Why call us the rant room? And we might go to the left. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Barry. We thanks, sir. It and was great. Thanks, yes. sir. Yes. Again, all you listeners, go check out Knock em Dead. Um, like you said, it's going to be premiering here in Hollywood if you guys want to come see it. At what theater? Saturday night. This Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah. This, this Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday, November 8th. Yep. November 8th. Yeah. The Arena Theater at 8.30. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, after starting tomorrow, November 7th. November 7th? November 7th. Yeah, it'll November be 7th. on Video On Demand. Yeah. Yep. You can yes. get it on Video On Demand and yeah. else. Comcast, Amazon, iTunes. Um, and it'll be on Verizon. DVD in, in February. February. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So that's what's up. Lisa Lee, where mm-hmm. are you at? Uh, I'm on Twitter. You can also find me on Bitchflix. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Just you know, right. writing about film, film criticism from a feminist lens. And I know people get scared when they hear the word <laughs> feminist. It's just basically how I talk and and how I sound and when I talk about on here is the same stuff when it's writing. So you're just gonna see it in the writing. Right. And um, let's see what else. Yeah, Twitter and Bitchflix. You know, and if you hook up on Twitter, you'll see the link to Bitchflix. So okay. come holla at me. That's what's up. And I again, <laughs> I again, and again, I'm your host, Hilliard Gass. <laughs> One more again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Hilliard Gass, and you, and um, I'm going to say, you are listening to the Screen Writers Rant Room. Do you know where you are right now? I have no See, idea. that's why you can't be eating those French chocolate donuts in I'm front still of us. I'm starving to death. Are you dinner. really? Oh my yeah. God. Anyway, <laughs> that's what happens when you be lifting weights. Um, <laughs> so I'm your host, Hilliard Gass. You can find me on Twitter. Um, you can listen to the show on Twitter. You can follow us. And see what we're doing on there at Screenwriters RR. Um, if you guys want to email us anything to me and Lisa, or if you want me to say anything to Barry, no, I will not send him your script. Because um, <laughs> then you go get that. Hey, uh, I really write. I like. <laughs> I write murder mystery too. Can you send it to Barry? Yeah. No, motherfucker, no. And make sure um, you go back and see his library work. Go really, through and just like he got time for you. Yeah. Just... Um, so <laughs> see how we are. Man. We stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so look. Uh, no, we will not send it to him. But, uh, oh, let me give you guys a couple little shout-outs. Um, we are doing really, really well in Australia. Um, shout-out to England. Shout-out to Russia. We in Russia. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Oh, and London just had their London screenwriting uh, yeah, conference yeah, yeah, over yeah, there. So There's yeah. a girl who keeps shouting us out over there. Oh, God, we've got to go. Yeah. Like, we've got... fact, she, hits, she puts us on our blog all the time. Well, thank you, because yeah. we got to come over there for those that. screenwriters, because you guys are, the sledge is mm-hmm. real, mm-hmm. and we just want to come over there and just touch English yeah. soil. Holler at us. We'll rub, it, rub it on us and bring it back to the writers here, because <laughs> yeah, we need we'll some help. we come talk to y'all. We'll come holler at y'all, <laughs> give y'all a little lesson. Hey, and Jasmine, um, put your $20 down, dude. Nightcrawler. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm going to put you on blast, son. Have the Doritos ready. That's what's up. That's mm. what's up. Um, so, yeah, I just want to give a couple shouts out to a couple of those different countries. Oh, in Canada, you guys are hitting Australia, I think I said. Um, so, we appreciate it, y'all. So, we're going to give them 1002 So, y'all know what to do. Y'all know what y'all listening to. Screenwriters Rant Room, mm-hmm. y'all. Where we keep it street. What? You can join in with us, too. We can say a thousand. <laughs> All, right. All right. We keep it street. What? We keep it opinionated. Woo-hoo. We keep it what? Uh-huh. A thousand and two. One thousand and two. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, that. Put the, no, that's the button. <laughs> that's the echo button on the end. Boom. There up. you go. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Ciao. Yeah, man. I got
Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the ramp room, tongues won't be bitten Ain't no rules, just spill it and anybody can get it No limit, we get to kill it, you tuning in to the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping, any topic, even the random I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the ramp room